Welcome to another edition of City I Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast to get your culture to go. We have a packed show, 75% of it at 75% capacity. I'm Frank Crivello. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. It would help if I could unmute myself here, but uh, yeah, how are you? I'm doing great. I mean, we're, apologies. Uh, it's, it's me that's late. I'll take the, I'll take the rap for it. I know what our... Our, our chat has been patiently waiting, and we appreciate it. Uh, uh, you know, son, uh, kid's birthday party with uh, his 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 friends from school. This is the day that we chose to do that, and lots of cleanup and lots of running around and all that other stuff. So I'm exhausted. Um, I got a fun I got a fun story that I want to just throw in about how you know this party nearly didn't happen. Um, so uh, we had 60 degree weather yesterday. And uh, overnight, we had a severe thunderstorm watch and a heavy wind advisory. So um, uh, my son actually has to get up to go to the bathroom. And he turns on the light to try to go. And the light doesn't turn on and comes up to us. And he says, the power's out. <laughs> so um, takes a flashlight, goes to the bathroom, comes back, goes to and, and And this was like at 4.30 in the morning. And then I don't think he went back to sleep the entire time. And he even came into our room a couple times crying, worrying about the power being out to the point where he couldn't have his birthday party. So, you know, to f- how harsh is that? <laughs> so that he was the one that found out. And had he not had to, had he not had to go to the bathroom, um, uh, he, you know, we would have all slept all the way through it because the power eventually came on. Right. Uh, like around quarter to seven, um, you know, that, you know, in the morning. So it was just <laughs> one of those things. So, yeah, I'm 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 on fumes, but I'm, I'm pulling through for the people. I'm pulling through for the uh, uh, the good folks who uh, to listen to us on City I'll Sit Down, uh, you, you know, to do this podcast with you. So uh, that was my weekend. How was yours? Uh it was okay. It was a good weekend. A long weekend. Had got a lot of stuff done. Uh, it was a crazy weekend because mostly for f- sporting reasons, not because of anything with me. But um, you know, starting with the weekend, you know, obviously Inter got a big win on Friday. But I think really, you know, what I want to take this moment is um, to give uh, a, a moment for thoughts and prayers to the fans in Mexico. Uh, the game between Quetaro and Atlas uh, riots went on. You heard conflicting reports of either people dead or severely injured. It was really Ooh. chaotic, terrible, terrible scenes. Uh, some of the photos I saw were just horrific. Uh, so hearts go out to everybody affected by that. It was just uh, terrible, terrible scenes. They're very reminiscent of uh, what happened with you between Liverpool and Juventus, you know, many years ago. And so, you know, hopefully there's some swift action because of it, because it was not good scenes from what I saw. But other than that, um, it was an okay weekend, I guess. Oh man, I uh, I'm sorry to hear that, and I uh, I echo your sentiments here. Uh, you know, no uh, no question about that. So um, we have a uh, we have a great uh, podcast here. We had a, a big time match that affected the top of the Serie A table uh, between Napoli and Milan. We had another interesting game between Roma and Atalanta. How are the other games going to unfold? Mm. Uh, a, a an MVP candidate from a lesser known team, as we talked about, we put together the clip from last week's podcast. Richard did a great job with the editing on that, um, 
and uh, having it out there for you to review. And in the case for Domenico Bernardi, uh, he made more of a case to, uh, today. Uh, so we've got that to break down as well as everything that else that happened, um, you know, over this past match week, uh, along with the world's most popular hashtag game, who won Calcio Twitter. We don't have many nominees this week, no. uh, so it will be a quick one. But uh, we are not going to break down this Napoli-Milan game alone. We did bring a guest with us, earning his second cap with us here at City A Sit Down, the producer and host of Forza Napoli Pod. You can find that at Forza Napoli Pod. We say ciao to Joe Fischetti. Is that right? Or is it Fischetti? That's right, yeah. Ciao, gentlemen. Thank say. you. Uh, no, you got it spot on. The, the they, didn't, they, didn't, they, they, didn't, they didn't Americanize you, thank God. Yeah, no, I mean, some people do. I, I'm not too picky with it. But thank you for having me on. I was telling the guys uh, off air that uh, I may need to start declining these requests uh, <laughs> for Napoli Milan games. The last time I was on, it was the same uh, unfortunate result. But uh, happy to come on for any other round, just not not Napoli Milan. Solano yeah. doesn't come on anymore, so the curse has to get passed on to somebody. Uh, why not? Why not you? So. Yeah. Oh. So, but no, great to great to have you with us. Um, Let's just jump right into the game, uh, you know, right off the bat. Napoli, Milan. I mean, everybody, you know, the buildup for this, everybody knew what this was, what what this was about, what this was going to mean. You know, I'm still not of the opinion here that as of match week 28, this game decides the title because there's this small matter of Inter, uh, you know, still being in the mix and a lot that still can happen between now. I mean, there's still you know 11 to 12 match matches for everybody yet to play, so this doesn't. Actually, 10 to 11, I should say. Um, uh, 10 to 11 matches for everyone yet to play. So for me, this isn't a, a title decider, not by a long shot. Uh, but this gives you a leg up, um, you know, whether it's whether it's Napoli, whether it's Milan, um, a, a pretty good advantage. And in particular for Napoli, if they could win this game because they won uh, the reverse fixture at the San Siro, to have the complete head-to-head control over Milan should those tiebreakers come into play. And I don't know where they're at. Do you still uh, – if, if um, I believe is – is do you have the head-to-head on Inter? Have you played them twice? They have the head-to-head on us. They have the head-to-head. Yeah, they beat you at the San Siro. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so this would have been a very, very important step for Napoli, certainly an important step for Milan to win, uh, you know, to, to, to pull ahead. So, uh, so much on the line, a very intense, uh, atmosphere at the Diego Armando Maradona, uh, and Napoli would bring out David Ospina in goal. Uh, they'd go with Di Lorenzo, Rachmani, Koulibaly, and Mario Rui across the back, uh, Ruiz and Lobotka partnering in front of that back four. Uh, Zielinski in his usual spot, flanked by Insigne and Matteo Politano with Victor Osimhen up front. Pretty standard fare uh, f- for this Napoli, Joe. Um, you know, Lobotka's kind of been the stopper in that midfield. Um, I, I I thought, okay, it, it's good, but who is he out there to stop? When you look, when we talk about Milan's lineup, it's, you, you wonder what he's, you wonder what his role is going to be as the game unfolds. But uh, let me get your thoughts on uh, what Spalletti picked for this game. Yeah, it was pretty much as I expected. Lobotka, he just got back from an injury in the previous match. So uh, against Lazio, he came off the bench. So this was his first start since he got injured. And Gisa, this was his first time getting in the squad since uh, since he got hurt. He he went to Afcon, came back and picked up an injury. So 
it was between Lobotka and them, and, and Lobotka has been the better player out of the two. So that that actually made sense to me, especially now with Napoli only playing once a week. Everyone's pretty well rested. And then everything else, uh, I wasn't really surprised by either. I mean, our, our back four is pretty much set in stone. Koulibaly, Rachmani at center back. Mario Rui left back, who's surprisingly had a very good season. Uh, Di Lorenzo at right back. And then same thing up top, really. Um, Lozano came back, but like Anguisa, this was his first time getting into the squad after a couple of months. So we knew Politano would likely start with Insignia on the left, Zelensky in the 10, and and definitely Osman in the 9. Um, Pre-match, I did my, uh, and I forgot to tag you on this, I you know, I usually like to, you know, for, for, for games like this, because I can't, I can't sit down and do a video. I'm going to eventually start doing videos on this, but I, an hour before kickoff, it's really hard to do and get it edited and bring it up. I like to see the lineups first to kind of get an idea. So I just do the thread um, on, uh, on, on Twitter. And uh, the comments that I had, uh, Awesome. do you think his best position was going to be finding somewhere, getting on the back shoulder of Kalulu and getting somewhere in between him and Tail. To me, that's where I thought he was possibly going to be most dangerous. I think that Tamori would have, you know, and and would have and did when when presented itself, uh, you know, would have been better defensively. But I thought that if he could have found those spaces, and early on in the game, they actually did play him in. Di Lorenzo played him in you know, right into that area that I talked about. But did you, would you agree with me that that's, that was probably the most da- dangerous spot for Osman, you know, to get good chances? Um, you know, what did you see with his role in, in this game? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the biggest issue I had with the way we used Osman was that he was isolated too much. And this has been a, an yeah. issue for a little while now. We're not getting a whole lot of production out of our wingers. And when we do use Osman, it's often just booting the ball long and, and having him chase it down. And then when he gets there, even though he does an amazing job and he's usually the first player to the ball and he is a great holdup player, he turns around and he has no support. And and it also doesn't help that when we are going long to him, we're, we're tending to play the ball towards the, the corner flag. Um, so we're taking him out of the play a little bit as opposed to being a little bit more in the middle of the park or you know in the channel. Um, which which reduces the impact that he's going to have. So I think I think we're we're using Osman in the in the right position, but I don't think we're setting him up for success necessarily. Does it surprise you? Um, Spalletti teams historically, when you look at them, his Romas, his Inters, his you know great wing play. Um, you know, with center forwards that can find the dangerous place in the box, and that's where they're going, and that's where they get it to him. You think of Jekyll at Roma, Icardi at Inter, you know, that the the wing play has not been, you know, of the quality of Spalletti teams past. What's, you know, is, is that surprising to you, given the quality that Napoli have in those areas? I think for me it was surprising earlier on in the season, knowing how Spalletti's teams typically played. But I think we learned early in the season that that wasn't going to be the strategy with with this Napoli club. It was going to be a lot more building up through the middle and using, you know, Fabian and Zelinski to pass their way their way forward. And and even the wingers, especially when you have Politano playing, you have two inverted wingers. So they're both with Insignia on the other side, they're both going to tend to cut in. Maybe you'll get the overlap from Mario Rui or Di Lorenzo on each side, 
but it's a it's not really been a signature of this Napoli side this season. It's it's all been about going through the middle. Part of the problem though is that we seem to have abandoned that lately. And one thing we saw today with Milan is that when our opponents press, and we saw it against Barcelona as well, and I thought Lobotka would help being in the starting lineup to deal with this, is that mm-hmm. when the opponents press and, and man mark, Napoli have struggled to to find alternate ways to create chances, and we've resorted to this long ball to Osimhen. Richard, Milan, come out, Mainyan in goal, Calabria, uh, Kalulu, Tamori, uh, Teo uh, on the left, um, Tonali and Benacer in the double pivot when, the, you know, the lineup's released. Kessie is in a 10, which we know is not going to be a 10. Uh, and he's flanked by Leo and, and Messias with Giroud up front. Um, I mean, Anthony points it out. You know, I pointed it out on Twitter. I said Kessie's not there to be a 10. He's there to... Uh, he's there to keep Zielinski under control. Um, and uh, I think the combination of him, Tonali and Benacer, are in there to stay connected, um, limit the passing lanes that Zielinski can find. Um, and then I think the other important element of those three guys together was where is Ruiz going to find the space from his position where he loves to come forward? We saw what he did against Lazio. Um, you know, and we've seen him do it time and time again this season. We've we've touted him as a possible player of the season candidate if Napoli can go on and win the Scudetto. Yeah. Um, so, you know, clearly, you know, he's – Salamaker's short. Uh, Salamaker's start short of being in total diffu- diffuse mode, but he was anyway. I mean, it was, it was pretty clear what he was looking to do. Cut things out, cut out – cut out any – cut out any supply – you know, into Osimhen's feet, you know, take that part of the game away, take away the midfield as being able to come forward and be dangerous. Yeah, it, it, it's obvious that they were going to, that's what they're going to go for. Um, and you knew as soon as you saw those three in the, in the midfield there that they were going to try to cancel out the midfield for Napoli. And really, I thought both lineups, both midfields were going to cancel each other out just because there's quality on both sides of the ball. And it's going to be really hard to beat one another just midfield versus midfielder. And it would have to be the wing player or something else involved to really change this game up. Um, and, you know, obviously the big worry looking at that starting lineup for Milan is Pierre Kalulu is starting in the starting lineup, and it's not a worry necessarily, but, you know, he had came on during a Coppa Italia match. That match was, you know, as Anthony mentioned, we called very dull first a Coppa Italia match between uh, Milan and Inter. Um, and so question, how would he handle uh, the speed and, 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 the, and the, the smooth silkiness of, of Osiman in this game? Um, and we, we saw this game very well, very well right? And so uh, it would have to be in, like, Who's going to be who? Which center back pairing are we going to do the better? I thought both pairings are really fantastic, honestly, for both teams. Yeah. Uh, but really, it was going to come down to the wing play and and what could the forward do for either team, uh, and that it was really a game of of inches and really and Milan had a little bit of better in this one overall. But uh, yeah, it was uh, midfields canceling each other out. I think ultimately, and and you know what was where we going to get from anywhere else? That was the question. Right. Right. You know, and it was going to come down to something odd. You know. You know, and and then maybe both teams were going to get something odd. We'll we'll talk about that here uh, momentarily. Um, Joseph uh, Napoli certainly have more. I mean, the first half certainly went to the script that we're laying out for everybody here. Uh, Napoli had much more of the ball. They had fifty nine percent possession. Uh, edged Milan on shots with three. Um, didn't get anything on target. Um, you know. What did you see in their attacks and in their buildups? What were they 
what was it an element that they were missing something or was it an element of Milan were ready for what was coming? I think it was a little bit of both. Milan were definitely well prepared. I was it's it's easy as a Napoli fan to focus on on what Napoli didn't do well, but I think it's important to acknowledge what Milan did well. Um and I mentioned the man-to-man marking. You guys mentioned that center back pairing. I thought Tamori and Kalulu did a fantastic job of shutting down Osaman. It was he he always had two players on him. And again, when he's isolated, you can afford to do that because you know logic tells you that if you have two players marking one guy, then someone else should be open. But not if that guy's at midfield trying to catch up to the play. Um, and so I thought Milan did a really good job. And and they also, you know, we talked about the wing play and, and how Napoli don't use the wings a whole lot. I don't know if, if that's something purely picked up on and planned for, because it seemed like Milan were really focused on taking away the middle of the park. With You know, I was surprised to see Kessie starting in the number 10. I thought Brahim would be there. Um, but it makes a lot of sense when you put those three in the center of the midfield, it was really difficult for Napoli to create anything. And then on the flip side, I thought, I thought Napoli started the match well. And, you know, we looked, it was very positive. We were going forward. It looked like we came to win this match, which has been a concern for Napoli fans. When you look back at, say, the Inter match, where it was clear that Napoli was content to, to walk away from that match with a draw, um, so we were happy to see that positive start, but slowly, you know, Milan uh, grew into the match. And and I would say by the end of the first half, it, it really felt like the momentum had swung in Milan's favor where, you know, Leao was, was creating problems. Milan were looking dangerous in transition, even though the stats might suggest otherwise with the ball possession. We had a lot of the ball, but it was one of those matches where we didn't really do a whole lot with it, right? So... Yeah, uh, that was a little bit concerning for me, for sure. Richard, it seems like, <clears throat> and I think we have to go back throughout all of last season, and maybe last season we were looking at it like, well, there's there's not a whole lot of there's not a whole lot of people in the stands to really kind of you know sway the match and sway the atmosphere and you know charge up the home side among you know among other things. So maybe last year it made it easy for Milan to be so successful in away matches under Pioli, but he's onto something I think with how he sets up against some of these big teams when he goes on the road um, because he did this in the Derby against Inter, you know, it's like, okay, let's, let's, we're walking into their environment. They're fired up crowds behind them. Let's, let's back off and let's let them take their best shot at us and let's be ready for it. And then as the game goes on, we can make our adjustments and try to find a way to, uh, to, to find a way to win the game. Now, in the derby against Inter, he had to do it coming from behind. So he brings on his more creative players to make that work. Here, he gets a lead. So now, and you, and you see this, and he substituted accordingly with a lead versus, you know, the derby substituted accordingly when he was behind. So he seems to be onto something with a let's let's be patient, let's absorb things here for the you know, for the first, uh, you know, half for sure. Um, not necessarily, I, I don't know. And I don't know if I want to totally call it a leg ball, but in these big games, he seems to want to set up this way and it's working. Yeah. And it's, um, Milan, I mean, a lot of the talk was that the game, this game is home at Napoli. The crowds would be fired up and they absolutely were. I mean, it sounded like more than hundred percent capacity. It sounded like 120% capacity. It was so loud in there. Uh, but Milan are 
there's two two Milan's, right? Milan is a far superior team on the road than they are at home. For so whatever reason, at home they just struggle. They lose at home, but when they're on the road, they they are more together as a team and they find ways to combat what the opposition is trying to do. And you know, Joe and I were talking about this how like before before the game how. You know, probably if you get towards the end of the game and a score, a score is tied, both managers are probably content with a 0-0 or 1-1 or draw, right? Uh, you don't want to really ruin their, their Scudetto hopes right here. Um, but, you know, both teams, we're going to try to go out and try to get a win early. And what we saw early on, you know, with that with that crowd and, and Napoli, like Joe said, they, they came out and they really were attacking Milan. Milan just sat back and kind of soaked up the pressure. I thought, you know, Kalulu and, and Tamori did a fantastic job, just like Joe was saying on on um and Osimhen, I mean, there were two controversial plays in that first half um, that I think ended up being fine as no calls. I thought Orsato had a really good game, actually, that's my opinion. Um, there's a play where Benacer goes down by Koulibaly early in the box. You could question, was that was that a penalty or not? And then just minutes later, Osimhen goes in the box and, and Tamori takes him down. Um, good play between Kalula and, and Tamori there. And you look at the replays for both, and you could call it either way. Joe, I mean... What are your thoughts on that on that on those both of those plays really in the first half? Because you know, a call either way and they could really swing the momentum. I know Orsato was letting them play, but uh two plays you could go either way, I think, in my opinion. What what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I mean it's easy to have your bias depending on which side you're on, right? So obviously a lot of Napoli fans were looking at this and saying in, in Benacer's case, it looked like he was already on his way to ground when he kind of brushed against uh, Koulibaly, I'm sure Milanisti don't see it that way. In Osimhen's case, it looked like there was there was pretty clear contact there. But generally, my preference is for the officials to to officiate the game exactly like Orzato did. I I want the game to be decided with the play on the field. Right. Um, and you know, we've seen Maldini uh, call out the officials and and not getting you know experienced referees for Milan's games, and I think. On, on this night, Orzato did a fantastic job. He yeah. You needed someone with experience because it was such an intense match, such an important fixture. And the other thing is, like, it's easy, again, when, when you lose a match to try to find that one play that could have changed the outcome. But the reality is you should never put yourself in a position where you need to get a penalty call to get a draw, right? Yeah, like, it, at the end of the day, Napoli simply did not do enough to win this match. Yeah, and I think... You know, what Joe was saying earlier, Frank, that, you know, Napoli come and started out strong early early part of the first half, and then Milan kind of grew into the game. And you yeah. kind of saw that they went with Benacer, really. Uh, it was interesting. We Yes, we know the tactic that Kessie was the, the quote-unquote 10, and his job was to go cover Zelensky. But I thought the interesting wrinkle for me was Benacer. Uh, he, at times, was higher than Kessie, and he was man-marking Koulibaly, which is you're like, what? why is the midfielder covering a, a central defender? Granted, Koulibaly is probably the best in the world, but... Uh, it was an interesting wrinkle that kind of threw that press against Napoli and, and allowed Benacer and Milan to grow into the game. And then they slowly started you know, taking the game over. And um, while the possession was all Napoli's favor, Milan were certainly getting strong and strong as that, as that first half went on. And so, yeah, I thought that Pioli, whatever he's been doing, you know, to circle back to your question, Frank, is that on the road, he's finding ways to get this team to play as a unit. And they, and they really are. Uh, thriving under him and and Zlatan's leadership, I think, and in Kiar to an extent too when he's there. Uh, so yeah, it just whatever this team does on the road, it just seems to work every time, and, and it showed that first half how how they just got stronger as as Napoli's threat started getting uh, a little bit weaker as the half went on. So, do do you think that tactic of Benacer pressing Koulibaly, you know, and coming out of his midfield position and taking his chances is because it's just 
that's not something that Messius is good at doing. I think Messius, you have in there to hope that you can get something out of him with the ball. Yeah, and he struggled a bit too, I think, too. Yep. Where Salamakers is a winger that is a we and we've talked about this. He's a def, he's a defender playing winger. You know, he's a he's a guy that can give good cover. He's a guy that's going to give you a lot of energy, recover the balls, and things like that. You know, where Messius is a guy you're probably just taking your chances, leaving a little higher, letting him do things when the ball's around him, and things like that. So, I I, I struggle. The only Anthony, the only thing is, is I, I struggle to say that somebody won because they were hungrier. Um, I mean, it's, I just uh, I, I think that. I think there was great intensity and great energy from both teams, uh, you know, to be perfectly honest. I think that, um, you know, and Joe helped me out with this. Um, I think as the game wore on, I think just Napoli cut a more, you know, a collection of frustrating figures because there wasn't anything clear cut for them to take advantage of or to seize, you know. And I think that uh, uh, when you do that, you just start taking some chances out of desperation um, rather than stick to your concentration, hope the other team loses theirs and then something opens up for you. Would you say that you saw that a little bit out of Napoli, that as the game wore on, that some of the things that they're used to seeing being available to them over the course of the game just weren't there for them? Yeah, that was part of it. But to be honest, I'm actually inclined to agree with Anthony here because, and and many Napoli fans will say the same thing. And, And the way I would, I would kind of depict it or, or ask people to, to think about it is look at the way Osimhen was fighting for every single ball. This guy, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and he's been doing that since he came back from breaking it, literally breaking his face and he's going up for headers and putting yep. his body on the line and, you know, shoving tail and like, he's, he's got fire in him and, and sometimes a little too much, but I'd rather have that than not enough. And then I contrast that with the play of Lorenzo Insigne, who came off probably his best game of the season against Lazio. But I think it says a lot when your captain is the first person that's taken off the pitch. The first substitution Spalletti made was Lorenzo Insigne off. So I think a lot of Napoli fans are frustrated that we're not seeing that type of fight and and passion from the rest of the squad that we're seeing from Osimhen and Mario Rui. Um, and then we saw it more from a guy like Adam Unas who came off the bench. We saw it from Ellie Belmas against Lazio coming yep. off the bench. Now, granted, fresh legs against tired legs, is, there's always going to be an advantage there. But I don't disagree necessarily with Anthony. You know, Napolitani want to see a team that's more fired up and, and trying to, to put everything on the line to win these matches. And it sometimes doesn't look that way. And I wonder, I thought- go ahead. I thought the Elmas and Unas introductions were 10 minutes too late. And I know that hindsight's 2020. Yeah. But those should have been done on the hour. Um, another criticism of Spalletti lately is that he's he's making his changes too late. The, and you could say that the same thing with Dries Mertens, who sometimes doesn't get brought on at all. At all, yeah. You know, we're talking about the the all-time leading scorer in club history. <laughs> and and he came on, I think, in the 75th minute. So, I, yeah, I completely agree with that as well, Frank. Yep. And, and 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 just to add in, and Richard, I know you're going to make a point here. I think there was there was nothing in this game for Zielinski. Um, you know, and I'm looking at his stats. I mean, two crosses. That's it. I mean, no, nothing. He didn't create any scoring chances. Didn't shoot. Um, got fouled once. I think it was attempting to dribble past a player. Um, that's it. I mean, 
you don't you, you you see Zielinski being far more productive than that. Fabian Ruiz. I mean, these are and these are the players that you, you have been big for Napoli over the last several weeks. Fabian Ruiz, no goals, no assists, no chances created, no crosses, no shots. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, that's in for for what he's contributed this season. That's incredibly rare. Yeah, um, Richard. Yeah, and I, I want to say I want to give credit where it's due, and I, I want to say it's Art Morelli, but I follow so many Napoli fans on on Twitter, like it's hard to keep track. But I, I think it was Art that said it that you know Napoli they score their goals by by doing the methodical way, right? And just keep going at you and try to break you down and stuff like that. And Milan, to their credit, both you know Kalula and Tamori are fantastic back there. Uh, probably played as good, if not better, than 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 Kalula Bali and uh, and Rahmani. Uh, and then Milan, as a defensive unit as a whole, played better, and they were making it frustrating for Napoli, where they couldn't do that. And they couldn't be the methodical self because there's nothing there for them. Uh, and then the game really relied on chaos. And and as Art puts it, Milan are better in a chaos situation than than Napoli are. Napoli need their goals through you know methodical methodical breaking through of a team and. And Milan don't need that. Milan can play in chaos. They can play. They're probably better when they play under chaos than they do try under structures. So I thought that was an interesting point, and I, and I agree with that because, you know, you do see Milan play their best when, when things are chaotic and you don't know what's going on. The goal came about it because that way. Um, and it seems like sometimes if Milan just try to focus on being methodical, it doesn't always work out. They, they try to be too, too cute, too fancy, and it never works out. So they needed a game like this to really get a goal in this game. Otherwise, I think if Napoli were able to do what they normally can do, it could have been a, a totally different story in this game. I mean, and then I, okay, so let's let's get to the goal. Giroud, uh, poacher's goal, you know, redirects an off target effort. I mean, it's just right, it's 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 a right place, right time goal. A game of this kind of intensity and with what these two teams were doing and how this game was going, going, if there was going to be a winner, it was going to be something that looked like that. Um, I don't think there was a moment of brilliance coming from either team. Uh, that was going to decide this game. There were moments of brilliance in this game. The only problem was the other team was ready for it. So um, so this was how the goals were going to come in a game like this, and and, and that's how it was. I, I thought that Napoli would get one like it, and that would end 1-1, but this had a 1-0 to either team or a 1-1 with the goals just being, you know, um, Bad luck for the team that conceded it and just maybe a right place, right time kind of situation like Giroud here, you know, having the presence of mind to get himself into an onside position, let's face it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it, you know, and be in that position to just redirect the the, the the shot. Let's say it was a shot by Calabria. He's going to get credit for the assist here, which I think is laughable. Yeah, it was, <laughs> but, it was a shot because it was going way wide. But luckily yeah. for oh, – not luckily for you, Joe, but for us, you know, it went right to Giroud who just deflected it perfectly, so – so Richard has has Giroud lifted the curse of the number nine with Milan to you? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. You think so? Is it is are we done with this curse now? Or or, oh, or, so, or yeah, no, it depends. The question is have they lifted their curse of selecting bad number nines, right? Um Giroud is obviously a very experienced player and he has a history with him, so obviously. Uh, he can do well. Milan just made bad choices in the past, I think, that really resulted in those and that and that uh, curse, if you want to call it. But um, yeah, Giroud really, you know, he's been. He, it's funny because Giroud scores a lot of goals at home, and Ibra scores a lot of goals on the road. And they, for some reason, both those players can't do the, the opposite, right? And this is his first goal uh, away from San Siro, and so yeah, I mean, for him, it's a bit, it's a, it's a weight lifted off his shoulders because now he's like, okay, I can score wherever, wherever I go. And really, he's a big game player. He scored against Napoli. He scored against Inter. He scored against Roma. He shows up in these games, uh, which is great for for Milan fans. 
Um, so yeah, I think the number nine curse is definitely lifted. If you ever want to say it was a, a curse, I, if anything it was a curse on management. Yep. So, um, late in the game, Olsenman got free. Uh, I, did did Manion save that or did that hit the post? I think Manion saved that. Manion the, the got, yeah. got a glove. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, because it didn't sound like the it hit the woodwork. So, okay, so Osman gets the chance late that that possibly could have tied it. Uh, tried to catch Manion at his at his near post. Manion saves it. It ends one nil. Um, Milan win the game. Uh, you know. Joe, you guys are on 57 points. You're in third. You've played 28. Inter have a game in hand on everybody. We'll talk about them later. Um, I'm looking at, you know, maybe a point that you could have gotten out of this game. Um, And then I'm also maybe looking at two points dropped at home against Inter with all the the chances that Alciman had. Um, You know, it's... It's 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 in touch. It seems like for Napoli every season we keep talking about this with them. Something something like this is within touching distance for them, and yet they they keep you know they keep getting pulled back. Um, as a Napoli supporter, I mean, speak for the Napoli supporters here and speak to. We're going to give you a chance to just vent here <laughs> and, uh, and 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 share some frustration. You know, we're, yeah. we're, 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 your, we're, we're your therapists we're, for Milan supporters, <laughs> but we're your therapists. We're listening. Yeah. Well, first, I mean, there's a reason why I don't have any hair on this head because uh, <laughs> I'm for a long time. Right. And, and you're absolutely right. It seems like every year there's, there's some performance like this one or, or other ones that it's not like the opportunities haven't been there. This was the fourth consecutive round that Napoli could have gone top of the table with a win. And we only won one of those matches. And even that win was a a 94th minute, you know, wonder goal by Fabian. Otherwise it would have, could have been four missed opportunities to go to the top of the table. So we can look at this match. We could look at the Inter match, Cagliari, you know, there's a whole bunch of them. You guys were talking about how good Pioli is away from home against these big clubs. Napoli's issue this season has been getting resulted in big clubs at home where you would think they would have an advantage. I think it's now 13 points dropped at home, 11 points dropped away from home, right? You would expect to, to have a better home record. So there's, there's a lot of frustrations. Again, fans are, are really frustrated with what seems like a lack of effort. One thing in the, in the first half of the season, you know, I would say we need to criticize Spalletti as well, because in the first half of the season, he seemed to have a plan B and a plan C. And when we would fall behind right from the very first match against Venezia, where we didn't fall behind, but we got an early red card, he found a way to get the result. And, you know, we were seeing trick pieces on set plays and all kinds of stuff. And as the season has progressed, we're seeing less and less of that. And it's, you know, people warned me about this with Spalletti that he tends to maybe be a little too conservative. Um, and Do you think the pressure is getting to him. That's why he's being more conservative. I, I think not to mess up, you know. He's, he has an, a you know a very particular owner that's that's most concerned about finishing in the top four more than anything, because mm-hmm. uh, we all know what that means financially. And I think maybe he's taking a, a slightly too conservative approach because it just so happens that the way the the Serie A 
top of the table has gone this season is you're competing for the Scudetto while you're also competing for a top four, right? So you, you're you're looking forward and also a little bit looking over your shoulder. And people will say, well, you know, if you just try to win the Scudetto, then you don't need to worry about looking over your shoulder, right? You'll get ahead and and maybe that'll happen anyways because Atalanta have been dropping points. But it, it does feel like there hasn't been enough of that that burning desire to win matches. I, I felt like the that second part of the first half, the second quarter, if you will, felt a lot like the Inter match where there just wasn't enough and not enough creativity, you know, and, and, and you mentioned the substitutions being late. You start to wonder, you know, how, how badly does this team want to win the Scudetto? And that's what's frustrating for Napoli fans because it's been so long, right? I mean, I know you guys are frustrated and it's not been as it's, you know, we've haven't won a Scudetto three times as long as you guys haven't, you know, everyone had to deal with this Juve decade, um, but Milan were amazing before that, and and Napoli were toiling down in in the lower divisions and had to work their way back up. So yeah, you know, for for a Napoli fan, it's frustrating when you find yourself in a position to be top of the table with ten matches remaining, and you just keep blowing opportunities to do that. And we can pick which matches Napoli drop points at at the end of the season if they don't win the Scudetto, but. Just the whole thing is frustrating in general. It's got to be. I mean, I, I understand the frustration a hundred percent, and and I guess it's also even more frustrating when you guys, when your midfield is as good as they are, right? We saw in this game, you know, yes, Koulibaly's gonna play play wonderful, but you know, you got Labata in there who's been playing very well lately, and it seems like he was doing fairly well for the most part. I mean, he was anytime you know Teo or or Layout tried to go one on one against him, he seemed to stuff him. If he wasn't him, he was helping out Koulibaly to really. Uh, Gang bang, gang tackle, gang bang, gang tackle. <laughs> Where's my head at? Uh, but you know, besides that play <laughs> and the comment, um, it seems like for whatever reason, you know, game in and game out, something you're not getting that extra extra oomph, if you will, uh, as the season's going on, like you mentioned. And, and I wonder if the the burden of you know trying to win a scudetto and not making as many mistakes sometimes you get a little too conservative my, that was kind of my criticism of pioli for a while as well he's kind of he's kind of molded a little bit better about that um but are you worried now that maybe the help you, you know we talked about how Osman has this fire that you wish the rest of the team would have it seems like insignia has kind of checked out a little bit now almost i don't want to say that but it kind of seems that you know gets first like you mentioned first person taken out of the game and this one Politano wasn't his normal self. It seems like I don't know. Lozano just come back from injury. Is it is it that the wingers aren't playing well, or is that Spalletti is now just trying to hone in on a couple guys, Insigne and and uh, Politano, and and really trying to go with them? And you know, like you mentioned, they don't even bring in Mertens half the time. It's like, what the hell are you thinking? It's it's a great player to leave off the bench. Look, what are you doing? What's what's going on? You know, to kind of deep dive more into Spalletti. Uh, and the thinking of what the struggles are. Yeah, not to give you a, sort of a cop-out type of answer, but I, I think it's a combination of all those things. I think it is the wingers have consistently underperformed this season, and the midfielders, the Zielinskis and the Fabians and occasionally Elmas, they've stepped up and, and they've contributed where they can, but you can't rely on goals from those guys. Um, you look at even Osimen and and... Napoli fans will come after me for for criticizing him because he does not deserve any criticism, to be honest. He's been phenomenal when he's played. Obviously, he's missed a lot of time. But the one knock on him is that he hasn't scored 
against the big clubs. You guys talked about Giroud, you know, those two crucial goals against Inted, scores the winner in this match. He's showing up and getting goals when it matters. Osman, unfortunately, hasn't been scoring against the big clubs, and he had a couple of chances. There was that one chance, um, I think it was right after Milan scored, where he played a, a given goal. With yeah, Moreno, immediately. Yeah, yeah. And, and he shot it straight at Magnon, right? So there's that. There's Spalletti. I, I mentioned how how he's kind of changed as the season has progressed with the late substitution. So there's there's a few different things there. It, you know, a lot of people, one of the most frustrating things for Napoli fans, myself included, is that we always end up saying we just don't have a winning mentality, right? And and it's frustrating because we've brought in new players, we've brought in new coaches. Some of the the older players are slowly departing. Insignia's on his way out, and yet there still doesn't seem to be this winning mentality. And and it's unfortunate because it seemed like that was something that Spalletti had fixed, uh, you know, earlier in the season, and also lately you know he has the players talking about winning the scudetto like they're not afraid to talk about that they're not afraid to jinx it or you know the whole napoli is very superstitious we don't talk about these things and and they've been talking about that in the media but then we still we still miss these opportunities so you know and the the harsh reality might be that as much as we love this team as much as we recognize all the talent on the team they might not be good enough Right. It, it could just be something that simple because you look at it, you know, we, we have no excuses anymore. We're not playing in multiple competitions. We've recovered from all of our injuries and yet we're dropping points. Which well, this is kind of a nice. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, sorry, Richard. Go ahead. I think your concerns kind of lead into an interesting question here. You know, think that, that maybe not good enough. Well, I'm looking at your next five games. Uh, Verona away, Udinese home, Atalanta away, Fiorentina home, Roma at home. You know, by comparison, when you look at Milan, and this is, I mean, I say, I take this with a grain of salt because Milan have sucked recently against teams in the bottom half, but Empoli at home, Cagliari away, Bologna at home, Torino away, Genoa at home. I mean, we could, if, the script, if it goes to script, there could be a possibility that Napoli are maybe eight or nine points back of Milan by the time they're through those five games. Yeah, but you also have to look at the rest of the schedule. and Because Milan have a very... I, I don't know the games off the top of my head, but I think Milan closed the season with four or five really tough matches. Yeah, and they're at Lazio. Let's see. They're at Lazio, uh, host Fiorentina at Verona, hosting Atalanta. Yeah, so I think school. to me what that translates to is, unfortunately, an Inter Scudetto because they have the easiest schedule. I think the only thing that we collectively can hope for is that somehow they upset Liverpool, which is almost impossible. Um, but maybe, who knows, we'll cross our fingers. I, I guess in your case, you guys are probably conflicted because you still want to win the Coppa Italia. It's still a trophy, if if Inter win that match, it's not the end of the world, I guess, because they have one additional match and it comes at a inopportune time. I think it's between rounds 36 and 37, something like that. But the, at the end of the day, I think the reason why Inter are still the favorites and probably will be for the balance of the season is because they have that game in hand. So if they win that, they're still top of the table. And then from my recollection, they have the easiest run in out of any of the teams at the top. It's fair. Richard, 
Yeah, uh, what I was going to say is um, you talked about the teams not being good enough. Um, I, you know, this is arguably the best team Spalotti's had as he walked into a team, right, from any of the teams he's had before. And he's had some great teams before, but this, fresh off the bat, it's probably the best team he's had. I, I, the So I, my question is you. I think they're talent-wise, they're good enough. The mentality part, is that that's the question, because you talk about, you know, having a winning mentality and, you know, why, why Roma has struggled so many times because that winning mentality and the Inter took a while to, you know, get there because of the, that mentality. Conte kind of changed that with them. And, and I know you're hoping Spalletti does the same thing. Is that Do, do you think it's more – you mentioned the mentality thing. Um, do you think it's a combination of both? I mean, I certainly think this is arguably the best starting 11 in the league talent-wise. I'm not talking about mentality-wise or anything like that. This team just plays such beautiful football. Um, they're so aesthetically pleasing. But I, I argue that maybe it's the mentality thing, and that's really the main thing holding you guys back because I think – Talent-wise, you guys are as good as anybody in this league, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I say maybe we're not good enough, and I don't know if I even believe that myself, to be honest, because you're right. The talent is there. And and one thing I give Spalletti credit for is that the way he's trained this team is that even if you do lose players to injury or you know international duty or whatnot, the next guys are ready to come in and fill those holes. And we saw that even when we were going through the tough stretch where we lost to Atalanta and we, I think we tied late to Sassuolo, we played actually quite well with the backup players. Um, so yeah, maybe it is, you know, the mentality and, and buckling under the pressure. It's, it's a, a heavy load to, to carry in that sea, especially right with, the fans have been waiting a long time. They're, they're super passionate and maybe that's weighing down on them collectively including on on spalletti i don't know uh but it's yeah it's it's hard to figure out we, this is the question napoli fans have been trying to figure out for a long time because the teams that we've assembled you know this time maybe part of it is also that we always have this array of talent but they're not always all firing at the same time you know especially in the, the home stretch of the season this season the big issue big issue has been on the wings you know insignia seemed to really be affected by that the whole contract situation and, you know, we can blame whoever we want to blame, whether it's him, De Laurentiis, both, whatever, but it, it seemed to affect them. And you guys can probably uh, relate with Frank Kessie for, for large portions of the season, right? These things do weigh on players. Um, we went from having what seemed like the best right wing combination of players in the league coming into the season with Lozano and Politano. And then neither of them have done, particularly while well. they've both dealt with injuries this season and so you know and then frank mentored Zielinski earlier and and his lack of anything in this match when he shows up he's unstoppable but he has a lot of games where he doesn't show up so i, I feel like part of it is also that we have all of this talent we just can't get everybody firing at the same time for whatever yeah reason. that's fair that's fair let me ask you about insigne um obviously he means a He's, he means a lot to Napoli. He means a lot to the club. I, I appreciate that you're drinking beer, by the way. You, you did the right. You, you're doing this right. You come, you come on here, have a beer. This is, and that's what I say. We come on to Serie sit down. Sit down. I, I want to feel like we're sitting at a table having a beer talking about this. Okay. Um, but anyway, Insigne, um, he means a ton. At some point, you got to set aside, maybe set aside sentiment for the good of the team. Is he really right now your best answer at left wing? 
because I've seen some good games out of LG Felmas. Um, and is it time to pass the torch, if you will? Okay. Given Insigne is going to get an occasional game here and there, but to start him consistently when he's been inconsistent, um, brilliant against brilliant against Lazio, stunk against Milan. Okay, Barcelona game. I don't know what that corner was. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think you know. I don't think I don't think any Neapolitan knows. Um, but. Uh, you know, but you know, he, he scored a penalty, so he kind of made up for it. Um, but is it time to? I mean, you're still fighting for something, and he might still be an important piece. But at the same time, you know, there might be a part of Spalletti that should look a little bit long term and say maybe Elmas is a little bit better here, and we might want to figure out a graceful way to phase Insigne out. What do you? How, how do you feel about that? How do you think Napoli fans feel about that? So I'm really torn on this. I think for most of the season, and, and largely because Lozano has been hurt for the last few months, I still feel like Insignia is the best option on the left wing. Okay. It's just we don't have many good options at the moment. I, I think yep. an informed Lozano might actually take over that left wing. I'm leaning more towards Lozano than I am towards Elmas. I, I think okay. Elmas... I, I've been kind of flip-flopping on this. You know, when he has a good game, I think, okay, maybe he is the future replacement for Insignia instead of, you know, we save some money, we have a guy that's readily available. He seems to perform the best out of all the positions that he's played in, which are pretty much everywhere but in goal. Um, he he seems to perform the best on the left wing. But at the same time, I look at that Lazio match and I think – you know, he's the type of, and I, I was on the rant recently and I compared him to um, Felipe Caicedo a little bit in the sense that he's one of these guys that when hmm. he starts, he tends to underwhelm, but off the bench, he could be a high impact player. So I'm Superstar, not 100% yeah. sold yeah. yet. Um, I know that when he plays for North Macedonia, he, he absolutely destroys it on the left wing, but I think it's a different type of environment where he's one of the more talented players on the team and they're they're relying on him and he's able to to take players on one-on-one with napoli he's he's got lots of talent around him and i find that he tends to take too many touches that i've seen some improvement on that and with the way spalletti plays it's very similar to sadi ball right it's quick short passes and Mm -hmm. The ball always seems to get stuck when it gets to Elmas. It's he takes a few too many touches, but he can he can learn to to do well. Um, but yeah, I'm conflicted because Insigne really hasn't had that great of a season. He's a great playmaker. He hasn't scored enough goals, and I don't know if Spalletti's thinking along the same lines that I have in the sense that you know we knew the contract situation was a burden, and then. Once that was resolved, we all thought, okay, maybe now that weight is, even though he's not renewing, that the contract weight is off his shoulders. We know he's going to leave at the end of the season. Maybe his performance will improve. Didn't really change much. Then he had that goal against Lazio, which was his first from open play all season. And we thought, okay, maybe he just needed to get that monkey off his back. And now, you know, that weight is off his shoulder and the play is going to improve. And then we saw, you know, against Milan that it didn't. So, We'll see if I, I personally I don't think Spalletti's gonna make that change. I think he just has too much respect for Insignia. It's still his captain and he's gonna he's gonna respect that armband. For the last ten games of the season, right? Scudetto aside, what do you want to see Napoli do? I mean, obviously win out maybe, but what what do you want what are you looking to see from Napoli for the remain, remainder of the season? 
I guess what I want to see is I want to see that identity that Napoli showed in the first half of the season where it was a team where one of the things we liked about Spalletti compared to Gattuso is that Gattuso was, it seemed like he was playing more not to lose than to win. Whereas Spalletti's Napoli was pushing forward, trying to score goals, and even after scoring goals, trying to score more goals. And so I think that's what I want to see most from Napoli, play our style of game, put the ball in the back of the goal as many times as we can. We know defensively, we still have conceded the fewest goals in the league, so we're we're set there. But I want to see a more attack-minded team. I want to see a team that that's hungry for wins, to use that, that term again that we saw from Anthony earlier. Uh, because lately, I don't know if it's just you know the length of the season and the number of games, but they've been looking tired. Now that, again, Napoli playing once a week, even against some of these tougher opponents, you know, against some of these clubs like Hellas Verona and Sassuolo that have been thorns in our side in the past, I want to see them go. I want to see them take out their frustration, uh, you know, after a draw to Inter or a, a loss to Milan. I want to see them take that energy and just destroy a team like Hellas Verona. <laughs> and and uh, to be honest, just to, you know, throw a little tip out there. I think they will beat Hellas Verona, even though, you know, everyone's looking at that saying, oh, Hellas Verona, they always get, find a way. I think under Tudor, Verona is much more attack-minded, which means it's an open game, and that plays into Napoli's strength. So I think, you know, for the betters out there, I like <laughs> I like Napoli as an early play uh, next round against Hellas Verona. You know, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think there's some uh, there's some really dynamic there's some really dynamic dudes on the Hellas Verona team that make it very very hard. To yeah, play no, against. no, I know, I know. So, so, uh, uh, but no, it's it, that that's going to be a great game. Looking forward to looking forward to catching that next weekend. So, um, Joe, it's been a pleasure having you on. Um, I'm going to give you the floor now. Uh, plug anything you'd like and uh, share with. Uh, uh, with those watching and, and our listeners, uh, what we need to know about you, what we need to know about Fortsonopoly Pod and things that you're up to. Have at it. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. It's always a pleasure. It has been a little bit of therapy. I'm feeling a little bit better <laughs> now than, than I did earlier in the day. So thank you for that. Um, you, all of my work is is audio only. It's old school. Uh, That's fine. At Fortsonopoly Pod on, on all your social media channels. Uh, you can find the podcast, Fortsonopoly Cultural Podcast, on all the usual streaming platforms. And for those that are listening, uh, my Twitter handle is at Joe underscore Fisketti5. Wonderful. Wonderful. And uh, let's do it again. We'll do it when uh, Napoli don't play Milan so we don't curse you. So. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> okay. So uh, so you're saying you want us to do this against uh, Sassuolo or Hellas Verona, like one of your bogey teams? Let's Salernitana. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should just wait for Napoli to beat someone, and then I'll just come on. Yeah, I'll call you yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have you on call, and if they win, you're in, right? Is that how we're yeah. going to do it? That'll work. <laughs> so excellent stuff from you, Joe. Thank you for joining us, and uh, your third cap is not going to be too far away. Thanks, gentlemen. It's a pleasure. All right. Joseph Fischetti, Richard. Um, Excellent stuff from him. Um, I do want to follow up with you. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, on on the Milan side, um, pretty breezy next five games. But, you know, if we've learned anything from the last few weeks, nothing's really breezy with Milan. And um, 
it's not realistic to expect a maximum 15 points from five games. But when you're looking at this uh, and when you're looking at the last five games, you're looking at your run in, you know, hosting Empoli at Cagliari, hosting Bologna at Torino, hosting Genoa. You got to get every you, you get every point you possibly can, you know, out of those five games. 15 probably, you know, hard to expect. Um, but you know, with respect to being a title contender at a minimum 11, um, which would be three wins and two draws. Um, I would, I could live with that at a minimum. I would want more than that, but I, I I would think if they don't get at least 11 out of the next five games, it's going to be hard for them to win this title. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've seen that Milan plays well as the coming from behind and trying to catch Inter at the top of the table or whomever, if not at the top, whatever. They like playing from, from behind. At the top, they look very unsure of themselves. And that's going to be the key is like, can Zlatan, Pioli and the boys really hunker down and take ownership of being in top spot? Uh, yes, I know Inter have a game in hand, but really take ownership and really dictate the pace as opposed to just see what happens and then, oh, we're behind, let's play good again. No, they got, if they want to win the Scudetto, or if Napoli needs to, when it wants, wants to win the Scudetto, they, Milan really needs to take the step up and take the lead, start dictating plays, beating these teams that you mentioned, right? Yeah, we'd love to see max 15 points, but like you mentioned, minimum 11 points because it's a, it's a hard stretch down, down at the end. Um, and so, yeah, we'll see what Milan's made of, but what I think we see in this, in this, from this game at least, you know, Milan were playing well. They, they're the best team against the top six, against the seven sisters. Milan's the best by far. Um, we saw that Benacer played really, really well in this game. Kessie actually played very well. I thought he started slow uh, as a Benacer, and they really came on game. For the role he was expected to play, I thought Kessie did well. Uh, what we're also seeing is that, you know, Romagnoli got hurt last game during the Copa Italia um, first leg semifinal. Kalula comes on, and though he's not a natural center back, he is probably, in my opinion, the right center back pairing for Tamori. Um, sure. I know everyone wants to talk about Botman and whoever else, but Kalulu and Tamori, they look like they've been playing together for years. And so I think with those two back there, I think they should start the rest of the way out. And then I just, guys. the only, the slightest thing I worry about with Kalulu deputizing as a center back was what I was worried about with Austin. You know, the, the classic nine that has a height advantage on him, that if he gets service, Okay. Sure. If that nine gets service and he's in the area where Kalulu doesn't have a chance. Now, are but we, they we, well they've been reading each other. Like, that's what's, like you mentioned, like there were times in the game where Osiman would uh, maybe look like he's taking advantage of, of Kalulu and all of a sudden Tomori comes in and swoops in and, and cleans it up, you know? And, yeah. and if he can continue doing that, I think he'll be okay. But you're right. You know, Kalulu doesn't have the speed of Tomori or the, you know, the strength of Tomori, but he, he's very solid. He's very solid back there. And for a 21-year-old, that's pretty impressive. Sure, sure. I No, I, I like his recovery. I like his positioning. Um, you know, and I like his ability to read the game and get to positions early. And I think that that is working really, really well for him. It's the aerial part of it that if we go, if Milan ever plays a good crossing team with a good nine that has a height advantage on Kalulu is anywhere near him, yeah. that nine wins. You know, and, and Milan are going to have to figure out how to deal with that. Yeah, so 100%. That's the only worry I have about that, where I'd rather have a bigger guy in there that might be able to deal with that. So otherwise, yeah, no, I'm with you. As a combination back there, they were outstanding. They were outstanding in this game. I mean, 
Mainyan wasn't troubled. I, I mean, no. and I think that a lot of that has to do with the Kalulu-Tamori combination. Calabria was excellent against Insigne. And the midfield three was brilliant. I mean, they dominated this game. You can pick any any one of those three. Yeah. Kessie, Tonali, Benacer, to pick for, to pick for man of the match here. Um, I'd probably lean Benacer out of the three. Uh, but you, you could pick any of them for the role. You know, when you're talking about relative to the role that you're being asked to play in a game. Um, and when you tell me that between... If you're going to tell me that we're going to play Napoli, okay, and Fabian and Zielinski combined are going to get zero shots. Take it. That's a damn good performance from the Milan midfield. That is a damn good performance. Yeah. Because there are really – and that is why we talk about them being up there with the collective of midfield as a collective being one of the best midfields in the league with Inter, with Napoli. Napoli had a bad day today. But they had a bad day because of how Milan performed and they were ready for it. Yep. Absolutely. So – that was Napoli-Milan. As usual, we get the marquee game, Richard, and we're all over it. (laughs) Yeah. So, we don't don't miss anything with it. I don't think we – you know, we we just don't get we don't get the groundskeeper's name. It's otherwise we would really be all over it, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh man! So match week twenty eight, all yours. Take it away. Batch the rest. All right. Looking at match week twenty eight. Well, it started off on Friday. It was uh, the champions Inter hosting Salernitana. Many wondered if it would be maybe a a, a blip in the radar for Inter. It was not. Uh, three goals from Lautaro Martinez. He breaks his huge funk of, uh, of goal-scoring drought. Uh, goals in the 22nd, 40th, and 56th minute. Uh, the, the third in particular was the uh, goal that we candidate for me. Uh, Jekko would round it out with two goals in the space of five minutes in the 64th and 69th. Five-nothing win. Inter win resoundingly. Uh, moving to a very interesting game, Udinese against Sampdoria. Goal scoring started. All the goal scoring started with her early on. Uh, Delofeo gets a goal scoring. Uh, goal scoring started early in the third minute, uh, followed up by Udogi. Uh, Udogi, excuse me, gets a goal in the twelfth minute. A minute later, Caputo with a nice finish there to make it two to one. You're thinking it's going to be a shootout here. Unfortunately, that was the last goal. Last goal of the game, but uh, it was a, it was interesting performance. Very good performance by you know both both teams and. Uh, Beto had a really great opportunity late in the game where he came off the crossbar. Really, he gets up so well on, the, on those headers. Uh, but two-one, Udinese win that game. Uh, arguably one of the goals, one of the games of the weekend. Roma Atalanta, uh, one goal in this game. That's all it was needed. Surprisingly, you know, between these two teams, uh, Tammy Abraham off the wonderful world-class play by Zagnolo, capturing the ball down uh, and then feeding uh, Tammy Abraham for the uh, for the goal there. One nothing. We'll get more to this game in a minute. But a uh, big, big win for Roma without Mourinho on the sideline there. Uh, moving on, Cagliari hosting Lazio. You would think maybe Cagliari make a little bit of a fight in this one, especially, you know, they're they're trying to get out of the relegation fight. Unfortunately, uh, Lazio weren't having any of it. Uh, first is a penalty. Uh, Immobile converts in the 19th minute. Luis Alberto with one of the goals of the week. Uh, first world-class touch again. We talked about touches on Yolo. Same thing with, uh, with uh, Luis Alberto in his own end. Kind of leads the breakaway and then gets the ball back at the end to get a goal there. 2-0 at that point in the 42nd minute before halftime. Second half, uh, Felipe Anderson doing a little dance, a little samba to get his goal. 3-0, Lazio win on the road. Nice win there. 
Was that them? Was that them, or were Calgary's de- uh, defenders dressed as matadors? I'm tr- still trying to figure that one out. A little bit of both. That was the Olay defense. Definitely the Olay defense. <laughs> no, it's a two hand touch rule there. There, no tackle. Uh, we're playing flag football. Flag football. There, flag, there you go. Flag caught you. Uh, right. <laughs> moving on to Genoa Empoli. Uh, this game lacked goals, but it was certainly entertaining. Uh, defensive effort by Empoli. Uh, Blessing really has his team playing well, but unfortunately, they're just not getting wins and lots of draws for them. This game ends 0-0, but, uh, you know, great save by Vicario on uh, Portanova, as well as a goal line clearance by uh, Ansali. That was really good. Uh, but 0-0, this game ends in, uh, in a draw. And then the next game, Bologna-Torino also ends in a draw. This game not as entertaining. It had some good uh, back and forth between both offenses, but uh, 0-0, the teams share the, share the spoils there. Uh, moving on to yet another draw, but this time a score draw. Uh, Fiorentina hosting Hellas Verona. Goal scoring started by, hey, psh, 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 Christoph Piantic. It's, it's the system, plan. stupid. It's the system. <laughs> uh, he gets his fifth goal in seven games or eight games for Fiorentina. A wonderful start for his uh, his tenure at Fiorentina. One nothing there. Caprari would uh, convert a penalty at 20th minute. He get, puts him on 10 for the season. Uh, Verona are the only team, I think, in Serie A that have three 10-goal scorers on the team. So uh, good for them. But 1-1, they share the points there. This is an entertaining game as well. Uh, we talk about the MVP candidate, or at least in our opinion, uh, Domenico, Barra, Domenico Barardi, excuse me. Uh, he would heavily feature in this game uh, at Venezia, Sassuolo, where uh, goal scoring started early. Scamacca wonderfully played ball to Raspadori. Uh, they get to the go early on lead. Uh, we would see three penalties in this game against Venezia. Uh, Berardi would convert two of them, one in the 17th, one in the 71st, and then and then Scamacca would convert one in the 29th minute. There was a penalty that was called for Venezia late in the game after the coach cut a red card for complaining about it, uh, but Concili made a great save on that penalty save. Uh, Henri, Thomas Henri did get a goal in the 34th minute, but all for not. Sassuolo spank Venezia at Venezia 4-1. to one. And then to round out the games, um Juventus hosting Spezia this is going to be we wondered how you know what kind of game this would be Spezia obviously did uh, the Milan dirty the week before and so you know this game was tight uh, uh, uh what's his name Tiago Mota really has his men playing uh stingy ball and uh the goal scoring this are early uh Morata off a turnover Provedel Provedel's been having a fantastic year defense he's got he's the highest save percentage in the league obviously he, he faces a lots of shots but he rarely makes errors, but he did in the 21st minute. He, he kicks the ball away, gives it right to, I want to say, uh, Daniel Rugani. Daniela Rugani. Rugani gives it to uh, Vlahovic, who finds Locatelli, who slides it over to Morata, goal of the week candidate there. Lovely finish by Morata, first goal of 2022 for him. Uh, so you think you're going to be off and running for goals, and that would be the last goal of the game. It was a very stingy game, tough game to play. Spezia do not give you much uh defensively or offensively uh they had some chances at their own but Chesney was pretty solid and, and goal Juve win one nothing they're, they're they're off this is something like their 14th I think uh just Juve tweeted out uh that it's like their 14th game in Serie A in a row that they haven't lost so they're pretty they're on a pretty good uh unbeaten streak I would just say uh so yeah lots of games lots of goals Frank uh what do you want to talk about um real quick on Genoa Napoli I mean the, the the guys we're touting were brilliant in this game. Um, uh, uh, by Rami, I don't know how he didn't score. Um, he had a great free kick in yeah. this game. Yeah, he did. Um, and then Portanova had the header that was saved at point blank range. He had another one hit the crossbar. Yeah. Um, that save on Vicario, so, though, was wonderful on Portanova from distance. Get Portanova out of Genoa. 
Okay, yeah. after this, yeah. this he I, has got to go on a better. Get him on a better team. I think he's going to be a. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm high on the guy. He's good. I think he's going. I he's think good. he's going to be a star. You know, keep getting, but he's get him in a better environment. And heck, yep. he doesn't need to go to the Seven Sisters. Go to. I mean, can you imagine him on Sassuolo? Can you imagine him in the in the Jurichich role? You know, assume Berardi's still there, and you got Berardi to his right. Oh, good lord! Yeah, yeah. Have fun with that, everybody. I mean, just if I'm successful, I'm trying to figure out if I can get him. Maybe Fiorentina or something like that too. You know? Yeah, you know. And if uh, Torino doesn't have luck keeping Breccolo, that's I'd I'd look in that direction too. I mean, yeah. Like I said. Get him into a better team, and if Genoa gets relegated, that is one of going to be one of the first guys. I mean that that guy's agent is going to get a ton of calls from Serie A teams. Yeah. So you know, um, I like his game. I mean, and and, to, and today he showed me, hey, I can get, I, I can also get in the box and get into dangerous positions. I can do things that McKenny does. I I can take dead balls. I mean, he's got a he's got a range to what he does. So you know, so that impressed me. Um, but good Munson, another guy that they, they brought over. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this guy crosses the ball before he gets off the bus. Um, like live, huh? <laughs> yeah. Four, 14 crosses today. My gosh. Uh, you know, so, I mean, that general Empoli game, that was, I mean, if you woke up early for that, you were still entertained. You didn't get any goals. Yeah. Uh, but you were damn sure entertained. Um, you know, I think that uh, Domenico Berardi continues to make his case for maybe being player of the season or at least being at the table because, okay, fine, his two goals were penalties, but he created four other chances. Um, and he had he had three other chances to score. Um, you know, I, the, it was interesting. The, the penalty that he won, Skamaka took. Uh, so yeah, that must be a thing if, if that, that Dionisi does. If, if you drew the foul, you're not taking the penalty. We need you to kind of collect yourself, collect yourself after getting hacked. Yeah, maybe it yeah. could be. I don't know. I, it's a weird, it, weird, I, not something I would think of, but um, I don't know what went on that they decided to let Skamaka take it. But rock, paper, scissors, they could be, they could be doing that too. <laughs> And Berardi just might be really damn good at rock, paper, scissors. Maybe, yeah. And that was just the one time Skamaka won. So <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. So um, I don't know if playing Salernitana is the um, – it, it it's clearly a get-right game for both Lotaro and Aiden Jekyll. But – Time will tell if this was the start of them getting back on track or if yeah. this was, hey, we got to play Salernitana and yeah. we did this to him last time. It was just easy to do it to him again. Yeah. It's funny because we, talk, we talked about this last time or with, with Milan when they struggled against Salernitana is that like the big difference between Milan and Inter versus teams that they should beat is that Inter take care of business, right? This second 5-0 win against Salernitana this year, while Milan struggled mightily against teams like this. So, you know, you need to do well against everybody and enter at least do very well against the bottom feeders. I mean, they, they, they make it no doubt in your head. Mm-hmm. Roma sweeps Atalanta, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And we've dogged Roma for years because of their form against the seven sisters. And okay, fine. You're still not beating Juve. You might get a win here or there against Milan. You might get something from some of these other guys. Yeah. But 
sweeping one of them is a step in the right direction. Okay. Mentality wise, especially. Yep. You know, and a game like this. And the other thing that impresses me, Roma's figuring out how to grind. Okay. They, they wanted nothing to do with, they, they had, they had no interest in grinding anything out. Yeah. When they played for, when they had Fonseca there, when they had Dave Francesco there. Mourinho effect. Yeah. It's, you know, and when a guy like Mourinho comes in who has a totally different mentality than the managers that you've had, it's going to take a season. Yes. Okay. Just like we talk about with Saudi at Lazio, it's going to take a season. You're switching from a three back to a four back. You're switching to a different, you know, style of play and mentality. And we're starting to see some decent things out of Lazio, even though they're still struggling, you know, to beat the big boys per se. But, you know, as it, as it pertains to Roma, yeah, they're, they're learning how to grind some games out, um, which they haven't done for decades. Um, so, um, you know, so it was interesting to see them win this way. I, you know, some of it was, I think they had the benefit of Gasparini playing a, a bit of a makeshift lineup here. Sure, sure. Um, I don't know why he doesn't start. He must hate Muriel. If he's playing Moranchuk as a false nine. Yeah. Um, and Muriel's available. Um, the other thing that could be developing here, and it's something we're going to have to keep an eye on with Atalanta, is that Gasparini might be moving his chips to the Europa League basket. Um, possibility there. Uh, you know, they're in fifth. They're now, they have a game in hand on Juventus. They're six points out of fourth. But I think with the way they've played in the league this season, I don't think they're going to make top four. I give Roma more of a chance of making top four than Atalanta. It's crazy that we're saying this, but yeah, I mean, the way Roma's been playing, it looks like also they have like a goal scorer now. Tammy Abraham, 20th goal of the season uh, in all competitions. Um, it's been a while since they, they you know had a, a consistent goal scorer. I mean, obviously it's the Jekko days, but um, yeah, I think everything Mourinho's done with his team as uh, – I know I think you pegged him as possibly a top four contender. I certainly I picked him I picked him fourth. I picked him fourth. Yeah, I did not. I had him, you know, sixth or something, or maybe fifth uh, or seventh. I forget, but – yeah, it's just they're finding ways. They're grinding out games. They're getting results. Uh, we said when Mourinho came in there that they already had a, a really good midfield. They had no defense at all, and the, and the striker was a, as a question mark. They, he brought he brings in Tammy Abraham. All he does is score goals for them now, and he's and he's scoring goals, you know, against Atalanta, which is great, right? Uh, we talked about mm-hmm. in the last with Napoli, Osimhen not scoring against the big teams. But Tam, Tammy Abraham seems to get up for these games, and he scores a goal. Um, Zagnoli, good to hit, see him healthy and. Uh, Wonderful play, wonderful touch by him to get that ball, corral that ball down and give it to him. You know, they're playing very well. And defensively, they do what they got to do. They grind it out. And, like, when when there is a gap, a mistake, Rui Patricio is right there to, to back him up. It's, it's a good team. It's like we said all season long, all the haters want to say that Mourinho, get him out, get him out. But it's like, give him a year. And you're starting to see it now. We talked about early season when they were struggling. It's like, give them some time. At the end of the season, they're going to start turning things around slowly but surely. And we're seeing that now and getting results and, you know, Atalanta had no had no answer for them. They couldn't do anything against the Roma. Uh, so, no credit goes to Mourinho 100%. The team is buying into whatever he's doing, despite you know sometimes their struggles. And um, yeah, I think I, do, I hard to believe, hard to say that I believe I'm saying this, but yeah, Roma have a real chance at the top four. They do. Two defeats in their last ten games in all competitions, and they were to enter in Juventus. Okay, so not bad. Beat beat Cagliari. 
beat Lecce, which I, was was a Copa game. Yep. Okay. Uh, beat Empoli. Drew Genoa. Everybody's drawing Genoa right now. Um, lost to Inter in the Copa. Drew Sassuolo. Drew Verona. Nothing wrong with that right now, the way those no. teams are playing. No. Uh, beat Spezia. Beat Atalanta. They're, they're getting it done against the teams they're supposed to get it done against. And then they found a way, you know, they're finding ways to win. And, you know, you got to start somewhere when you're talking about Roma. Okay. And, okay, start by beating the one team that you think you can beat. And apparently they think they can beat Atalanta. And they went out and did it twice. You Their know? schedule to end the season is not terrible, right? They got Sampdoria. It's going to be difficult to learn Itana. Napoli is going to be a big game. They're followed by Inter right after that. Uh, Bologna, Fiorentina, Venezia, and Torino. So it's not the worst schedule, but um, yeah, let's see if they can put up a good good run here, especially against Napoli and Inter. You may be looking at a fourth place team here. Well, they're at Udinese on Sunday. Yep, that'll be um, and that's going to be coming off of playing at Vitesse uh, in the conference. They're still in the conference league, by the way. It's true. I forgot about that. I forgot about the competition. And they got Vitesse. Yeah, it's easy to forget about it. Nobody. It's like. It's not, yeah. But yeah, I mean, to your point, at Udinese, that'll be tough. The derby with Lazio, that, okay, if you're ready for this, you beat Lazio, you beat your city rival. Yeah. Then you're at Sampdoria, who can't stop anybody right now. Um, oh, that Giampaolo thing was fun for a week. Um, I'm You laugh, but that's serious, because look I at know, them. They're, they're crap again. It's starting to shoot um, That's what happens. <laughs> that's, is that what happened today? Yeah, it's horrible. Did he start... Yeah, and he get he it was he's the reason all those goals happened. Oh, there he is. Cool. And they cool. Sofa score gave him a seven point six because he got an assist. Because he was on the <laughs> he was on he was on the camera a lot, that's why. <laughs> that's what they do. They drink and then they say, Fuck it. We seem to see him on the camera the whole time. We'll just give him a high rate. Like blind we'll, donkey. We'll, they're just like, uh oh, I'll pick him. Okay, he's good. The ones we can't find and we never heard of, we're gonna just say <laughs> So, like, by comparison, Thomas Rincon got a 6.5. Mayo Yoshida got a 7.6. And he only got it because of the assist on, on the goal to Caputo. Yeah. I mean, because you look at the rest of these. He fouled he, three fouls. Like, he just runs around and fouls people. He gets the spots late. He loses his markers. But to Sofa score, that 7.6. Hey. Hey. So, give me a 7.6. I'm just sitting here drinking beer, talking about it. <laughs> They might. I'll check it later. Good gravy. Um, but but then they, you know, and then they host Salernitana. Um, but then it gets interesting. They go to Napoli. They go to Inter back-to-back. Yeah. That's where it could get derailed. That's where it could get derailed a little bit. But, I mean, it's a reasonable it's it's a reasonable run, to your point. Yeah. So, um, if they want to beat, be top four, they have got to get all three points from either Napoli or Inter. Yeah. Possibly both, but at least one. Yeah, I, so, I, I agree. Um, Lazio and Cagliari didn't really have that bad a day. I defensively, they were shocking. Yep. Um, they created a lot. Uh, they're playing a lot better. Martin was really good. Uh, Bellanova has been really, really good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd be at Milan if Milan didn't have a surplus of right backs. Um you know, would have just gone from youth team to professional. Um, you know, Chiro getting a penalty. Uh, you know, but then he also was involved on the counterattack for Luis Alberto. So, I mean, you can't just sit there and say that Chiro just scores a bunch of easy goals. I mean, he does what a striker should do. Gets in position, gets in the right place at the right time. That's what you want your goal scorer to do. 
Yes. Okay. But at the same time, he can also come into deeper positions, get the ball and start counterattacks. And that's what he did there. Played in, you know, he got the hockey assist there on the uh, Luis Alberto goal. Yeah. So um, for those that aren't familiar in hockey, it's the two passers that lead to the goal that will get credit with the assist. And I think in Major League Soccer, they credit I two I passers. I thought I heard that too. Yeah, that they do the hockey assist thing yeah. when they do it statistically. So um, I, it's that, that that's the way I understand it. But we talk about Calgary being a – you know, at least trying to be somewhat formidable at home. And they weren't this time. Lazio rolled. They won 3 0. Did you see Maros, how Marosic got sent off? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're already on a yellow and you're blatantly sticking your hand out to get the ball. I don't know what he's saying. I guess he's like That's like when you that's like when your curfew that's like when your curfew is like eleven o'clock at night. And he got the yellow which was gonna suspend him for the next game anyway. Yeah, he's like fuck it. So like so when he gets the yellow, it's 11.05. So he's like, well, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to stay out until like 4 a.m. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to get that's, Yeah. Just like, just, just, just earn the suspend, just earn the game, the, the, the next match ban. Yeah. If you're really going to get it. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's what that was. So you can tell I'm punchy right now. I have hardly slept. Um, this is what happens when you clean your house for three days to get ready to have kids over to, to come over and trash it. So anyway, um, but I mean, another, you know, city I delivered again, we got, we got some goals. We got some games that didn't have goals. Bologna Torino. I really have nothing to say. Um, yeah. I mean, the games. That wasn't as the good one. Yeah. That's good. So, you know, and we we're, we're left with a table where we still have a dog. I mean, we're, you know, just a new name at the top, and it's Milan. Inter has the game in hand. Once they get it, you got to think that they're going to, you know, have a little bit of an edge. Um, I, I do think over the next five match days, Napoli are going to slip a little bit, but with Milan having some challenges, with Inter having a few challenges in the run-in, that they'll be able to gain, regain some ground. Um, and then there's Juventus, which I just – because I've gone out and said it on Twitter, Juventus to me is still not – a. I get it. They're, they they still win, and we haven't talked about them. It's kind of crazy. We've gone through this whole thing. We haven't talked about Juventus. Um, they still win. They still find ways to win. They found a way to win here against Spezia. Um, it was not beautiful uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but it was effective, and it got done. You know, um, here's a crazy statistic with Juventus. Hmm. They've only lost once in their last 19 games. That's, That's a, As bad as we think they've been playing – Allegri has been quietly doing his thing with all the critics saying everything and only one loss in their last 19 games. That's there's a reason why they're back in the hunt all of a sudden out of nowhere. They're not playing pretty. It's not, I mean, Allegri never plays pretty ball, but they're getting results. They're getting results. Well, not mean it wins all the time, but they're getting results. And it's yep. what matters. I still don't know if I believe in them as a contender. I don't um, know. But, you know, I, but it's closer and closer. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, yeah. third and second are not quite out of the question. Or first, honestly. But, I mean, it's. I'm not saying they're going to win a Scudetto, but they're in the mix. Yeah. They're in reach. Anything can happen. And I think it's because Bonetti keeps asking it on Twitter, and I keep telling, yeah, I'm sure. He, they're not a contender. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really why I'm doing it now. 
Oh, you know, I, I don't think I have any real concrete reason to 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 say. You know, I I just think McKinney's not you know, for the rest of the year, so that could be something against them. Um, and that's what I think is going to. You know, I think that the injuries are injuries up. and the lack like, of depth like in midfield. Subs. He had like five subs on the bench in this game against. Yeah. they had nobody. They're not going to be able to get through the rest of this season with the fitness issues that they have. So. I mean, that mean they will. They'll complete the season, but to to a point where they can win a scudetto, it would probably be the most impressive of their thirty plus scudettos that they've ever won. Yeah, yeah. It would be really hard to, you know. So, um, but the way they play, it's just like you know, I, I saw a beautiful Juventus in the mid nineties under Lippi. Sure. And it's just I watched this Juventus, and I. I said it when they were playing Villarreal in the Champions League. I said nobody takes the fun out of football more than Max Allegri. I'm convinced of it. Yeah, that was eyeball eating against Villarreal. It was, <laughs> I mean, I just mean, hurt. That was hurt. That actually was that. It actually it was like I actually felt physical pain watching <laughs> that game. <laughs> I did. Yeah, no, it's fair. But you know, with, with Allegri and Juventus, you just have to go back to the Denny Green quote, right? You play to win the game. That was Herm Edwards, actually. Herm Edwards. Oh, okay. <laughs> what, did, what did Denny Green say? I forgot what he said. What did Denny Green say? Oh, they are who we thought they were. Yeah, we let them off the hook. Oh, that too. That too. That works here too. If you right? want to crown them? Crown their ass. They are who we thought they were, but you know, as Herm Edwards says, yeah, you play to win the game, and yep. they're, I don't know if they're winning the game, but they're getting the points. They're yep. playing to win the Scudetto, I guess. Maybe. Agreed. I don't know. Agreed. Uh, your, your thoughts on what you saw with everything? I rambled. I went nuts and. Yeah, as I yeah. usually do. <laughs> uh, pulling back up the scores. Um, I mean, for a zero-zero game, the general Empoli game, you already talked about it, but that, that was a fairly entertaining game for a zero-zero. Uh, we talked about how impressive Roma were uh, in their one-nothing win and their sweep of Atalanta this season. You know, Fiorentina, Fiorentina against Hellas Verona. That was an interesting game. We talked Piantic. It's again the system. He's getting the goals. He's got five goals now in seven games or five goals in eight games, whatever. He's got more goals than Vlahovic when he's since the move. Um, Fiorentina are still doing; they're figuring things out. You know, they 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 were going for the kill in the game. Hellas is a very good team. Um, we talked about how now with under Tudor, they're even more attack minded. They got three ten goal scorers, the double digit goal scorers. But at the end of that game, they were going for that win. Vincenzo Italiano was trying to get that win, and you got to love you love that with Fiorentina. Um, if if they're going to keep ascending up the table as the years, uh, you know, next year and the year after. Because of stuff like this, they need to have that killer instinct and trying to go for the wins. Um, so I love seeing that. Um, and really, uh, outside of everything else we've talked about, uh, my confidence in Venezia staying in the league is dwindling week by week now. I mean, ah, it's a shame. It is. It is. You know, those lovely kits, lovely home jerseys. Uh, you know, I love, I, a lot of the players are really fun to watch and they're decent, but they can't stop scoring. They kept giving up goals and, you know, Sassuolo scoring four goals against them. That's a, you know, team who scores for fun sometimes. Uh, and they did in this game, but uh, you know, you got to feel hard done by them because they gave up three, there's four penalties in the game, but three of them went against them. Uh, and granted they're penalties. They were penalties, uh, were. but man, it's, it's never easy when to let alone give up one or two penalties, but three penalties in the game. It's, it's tough, man. You're not going to stay up with uh, plays like that, I guess. So I don't know. Right. Um, what do I want to get to next? I don't have anything for goals of the week. I mean, I think 
for me, it's the Abraham goal mainly because of the beautiful first touch out of the air by Zaniolo. Oh, that was pretty, wasn't it? Yep. Yep. Um, I, I, I just looking at everything else, there wasn't a lot of quality in the goals this week. There wasn't anything they could look at and say, yeah, that was. Yeah, so my top five isn't so much goals. Uh, so, like, my honorable mentions, I like the Piante goal, the, 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 the quick reaction by him. Uh, Lautaro's third, I mentioned. That uh, was honorable mention. Morato's goal was nice. Consili had a penalty kick save. I like that. Uh, my top five, I had uh, Felipe Anderson's dancing goal, and you could say that was a defensive week, but, uh, you know, it was, it was nice. And, I, I mean, that's it's my top five. That's how weak the goals were. Number four for me, Vicario save in Porto Nova. I really like that save. It was a huge save in that game. Uh, Tammy Abraham actually came third for me. Uh, yeah, I love the touch by Zaniolo. I love the, the goal by Tammy Abraham. I thought Luis Alberto's goal was better because Luis Alberto made a similar move in his own end to kind of start the, the counterattack and then finished it off. Um, he hustled, big boy hustled down the pitch to get that goal. Uh, but number one for me, not even a goal. It's uh, back to that Genoa Empoli game is the goal line clearance by Eslani making kind of like a, a volley bicycle kick on the goal line to clear it away. Okay. Uh, you watch the replay and it's even better than when you saw in a live play. So that's my number one play of the week right there. Okay. I'll go with it. I'll go with it. So, Screw the goals. Um, but I'm still, I'm still going with the Abraham goal on the uh, Zaniolo first touch sublime taking that out of the air the way he did. So, Europe, let's get through it quick. Um, interplay this week, I believe it's Tuesday. They play uh, at Anfield against Liverpool. Yeah. Um, and it's a 2-0 deficit, deficit going to Anfield. I, I think they'll score, but I think they're going to lose the game. Um, I just I, – I don't think this goes well here. Um, I'm going to go 2-1 to Liverpool. I mean, we broke down a lot of the things tactically. We weren't surprised by a lot of what we saw. Yeah. I think that Inter had golden opportunities to get something out of the first game to make it a reasonable fight at Anfield. Clearly, Liverpool's going to have to show up with their best team, and they're going to do so. Um, but I think in the end, um, I think that back three – Still, Salernitana had a couple of okay chances against him, but didn't produce, didn't get to him enough. Um, I don't see, you, you know, and I just, I, I look at how Liverpool play at Anfield. I think they're going to just, they're going to put those back, that back three under. They're going to press them. Yeah. Um, they're going to create a lot of problems. Inter's not, when they get play out of the back, they are not comfortable when they're pressed. And I think that that's going to go a big, big way. And I think that Liverpool get a goal out of winning the ball off of that. I'm going to go three. Actually, I'll go three one to Liverpool, uh, and they 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 beat Inter five one on aggregate. And I'm not saying this is an Inter hater. I I bang the drum for City. I'd love to see Inter go through. I just this is a Liverpool team that is at another level right now, as far as defensively. I think. Since the calendar year turned, they've only conceded like three goals in all competitions. Um, they've really gotten it together. And I just can't I can't see where Inter turned this around in England. It just isn't happening. 3-1 Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, both teams are in similar situations, right? They're both second in the table, very close to – they're within striking distance of, of the top spot. So you can't say that one has an advantage over the other in that regards. Uh, and they're both would love to move on to the Champions League uh, next on well, the next round, I should say. Um, away goals is gone, so that's that's a benefit for for Inter. 
because uh, certainly those two goals have been massive. They would have to score three goals, in, you know, in that regard, which I don't see happening at all. Um, yeah, I mean, Brozovic is going to have to play a lot better than he did. The midfield's got to play better. I think instead of starting Lautaro, you, you know, despite him having a hat trick, um, start Alexis Sanchez. Use his experience. You know, his, maybe he can find a way to craft a goal using his, you know, his, his guile and his experience. Um, you know, having Denzel Defries out there, maybe put Robin Golsons in there if he's if he's fit enough to start. Uh, having both those maybe a threat there. It's not going to be easy at all. I, I I feel though like the perfect ending for a typical Milan or City hour Italian drama would be that Inter find two goals, get it to extra time, and then lose four to two. Hmm. Or okay, make it two two. They, they end up losing in overtime. So I'm gonna say. Somehow they get it to overtime or extra time, but they're going to lose it still. You're an eternal optimist. Yeah, I am. This is done in 90 minutes on Tuesday. I, I can't Might see it. Might be done in 45. Might be done in 45. It might. It might. It might. It might. Inter, <laughs> Inzaghi might want to consider taking some youth team players with him and just giving them a run out in the last 10 minutes. So I just – I can't see Inter turning this around. So well, They did that in the first leg, didn't they? I think. I think they brought some youth, youth players to the end of that game. Maybe. Maybe I'm thinking yep. And we've got one lone survivor in the Europa League. Atalanta drew Bayer Leverkusen, Richard. Yeah. Um, an old friend of Serie A, Patrick Sheik, uh, back in the mix. Um, and uh, leading uh, Bayer Leverkusen, he, sc- he has scored 20 goals this season. Yeah, not, not bad. Um, danger man up front. I mean, this is if Leverkusen decides they want to go to Bergamo and play their best team. You got him to worry about. You've got Diab- Musa Diaby to worry about, who's incredibly dynamic. Oh, and oh, by the way, this young kid, Florian Wirtz, seven goals and 10 assists this season. Yeah, he's not bad. I mean, he's elevated his game. I mean, there are some options on this Bayer Leverkusen team, and they can score for fun if you let them. This Atalanta team defensively have been weak enough for me to worry about it. Um, but at the same time, I've seen Bayer Leverkusen be in spots like this and be very naive defensively. They do have Finland's international goalkeeper, keeper Hadretsky in goal. Um, you can, Hredetsky, yeah. yeah. Um, you watch more Bundesliga than I do. I know enough Leverkusen to be dangerous. I, I think this is going to be a fu- – if you got nothing else going on on Thursday at 3 o'clock Eastern Standard, Eastern Time, and you've got Paramount Plus, t- turn this game on. This is going to be fun. Yeah, I'm no, going. I'm, I'm going to two two. It's going to be. There's going to be goals here. I think there are going to be goals here. I think both these teams are certainly going to get some goals in this one. Um, Bayer Leverkusen, if they had the top four locked up, I would say yeah. There's no chance they're going to bring some bodies in, but they got. They do have to worry about that still because uh, Tedesco and and Leipzig are on, on on a surge back up the table, and they're only four points behind. Uh, Leverkusen, who are sitting in third place at the moment. Um, so they're going to have an eye on that. You know, you wonder, you mentioned it, you know, with Atalanta after they played Roma, is are they is there full intentions in Europa League now, or is it kind of still split? You know, that's, yeah. I think if, if Gasparini puts his best team out there uh, and you expect Bayer to do the same thing, it's going to be a fun game. I I, I mean, I, I see nothing short of 2-2 uh, in that game. I think you're going to see some goals in that game. Uh, but it's going to be tricky to see who who thinks they're more comfortable in the league than the other. If they both think they're they're in a struggle, they may not put their best eleven out there. And we don't know what Gasparini is thinking. You you would imagine that he wants to 
do well in one of these tournaments. Obviously, Champions League didn't go as expected, so he's going to want to go deep in Europa League. Uh, but Bayer Leverkusen are more than capable of, of handing them their ass, and Patrick Schick has had a uh, rejuvenation since going to, since going to Bundesliga. So it's going to be a fun game. I agree with you. If you're neutral, uh, watch this game because you're going to see some goals. You're going to see the open play. I don't see a, a defensive stalemate whatsoever in this game. Okay, um, and let's let's really quick talk uh, Roma and uh, Vitesse. This is actually the first leg is in um, Netherlands. Uh, it's in the Netherlands, yes. Uh, so, uh, guys, you want to alert, worry about with Vitesse? They have a striker by the name of Luis Openda, uh, eleven goals on the season. Uh, Belgian international, young guy, which is, you know, when you, when you go to play Eredivisie teams, they're usually very young. They're in their early, they're usually a lot of players in their early twenties, uh, playing there as a springboard for their next paycheck and their, and their next big opportunity. Openda's a guy that's going to provide the goals. He's a shorter guy. So he's not a guy that you're going to look at aerially. This, I don't, that's, that's something that Roma can take away. So I feel like Roma, if, a Mourinho coach Roma will be very good at being able to deny passing lanes and taking things away from him. The, the, the guy that they got to neutralize uh, from midfield, if he starts is this Maximilian Vitek, um, German international player, uh, playmaking midfielder, usually likes to come from the left-hand side, uh, you know, and create some things for them as well. Um, so uh, Eli Dasa is another guy. Uh, that you probably uh, want to keep an eye out for, um, you know, in terms of uh, playmaking midfielders, guys that can probably put a little bit of pressure on Roma's defense. That said, if Roma's really invested in this, I think they take an advantage back to the Olympico. I'm going to go Roma 2-1. Okay, okay. Yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, you're going to see Mourinho, uh, especially the way Roma's been playing lately, I think they're very much understanding what Mourinho kind of wants from them. And I think... They're going to try to grind this one out and try to get get a, a favorable result going back home. And I think um, a one or two nothing win. I think okay. one or two goal win. I, I don't see giving them much offensively, uh, allowing the Tessie score anything. And I think they're going to get at least one, if not two goals, uh, to walk away with a nice league coming back home. Okay, perfect. So those are the uh, uh, European teams in action this week. We do have Juventus in the Champions League the following week. We'll talk about them next week. So. Um, Let's uh, see how that all plays out. And we finally wrap this up, Richard, with the world's most famous hashtag game. It's time for Who Won Calcio Twitter, a very abbreviated version. I did put in a last-minute nominee, uh, but why don't you okay. uh, do the honors and take it away? All right. First off, uh, this one is uh, AJ. It's uh, at Fino Alfine 282 and he says uh, – Napoli fans in my mentions when I say they haven't won a Serie A wow. all the time. Uh, uh. You made a joke. <laughs> oh, these women yelling at <laughs> Okay, women out there. Why do you that, that, that do this? Why do you do this? Uh. This is only funny for us. <laughs> wow, AJ, AJ. He's the leader of the you, you get in your You get in your car, you put your seatbelt on for good measure. You probably got something you can hook up your little camera and you do a little selfie video to just get mad at the world. I mean, nobody. I, I mean, when I see a video like that, I just like I got no interest in, you know, just not interested. Um, and I'm just like, you know, you're going to piss and moan about something I don't care about. Okay, so you've well, already lost. That's me. Napoli fans. So, yeah. 
you lost me at sitting in a car and throwing your seatbelt on and hooking up your video to a you know something you've got on your dashboard. I don't know what those things are. I don't have one, so um, <laughs> it's not that important to me. But anyway, at Napoli Sansoni saying Bellatelli is spot on. I am one hundred percent sure that my quality is the same level as these people, Messi and Ronaldo. But I missed some chances. <laughs> and uh, at Dan Kelcho. If my grandmother had wheels, she'd be a bike. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done, Dan. That is the polite way of saying if my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. All right, moving on. It, uh, okay, now Anthony, Anthony's agreeing with me. It's annoying, Frank, when women do it. Okay, but how about men? It's actually worse. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually worse. <laughs> Uh, Rafa Biz uh, nominates the next one. It's uh, actually Joe Fischetti. He's head of the podcast. So the original tweet was Napoli with their millionth uh, kit of the season before this game. And so Joe says, uh, Inter issued a $450 million bond to refinance existing debt. Juventus issued a $400 million in new capital shares, $250 million of which were underwritten by <laughs> company XOR. We make new kits. I'm fine with that. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. Nice yeah. work. Uh, uh, apparently, only Napoli people find that funny, though. So, <laughs> but it's all right. It's all right. Self-deprecating. Self-deprecating. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, so, Sabrina, um, our friend Sabrina Belmonte at Sabri B10, uh, retweeting uh, some numbers here on Pierre Kalulu and his performance against Napoli. Twenty-one and already an old hand. Uh, clown to clown at clown underscore two underscore clown. Pierre was detained upon return to Milan. It took Carabinieri and emergency services a full hour to get Ossiman out of his pocket. Kalulu gave a statement after the incident saying, I simply forgot he was in there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Nice. And then you nominated this last one here from JR. Uh, Everything is on the line, 75% of it. So the, the the comment you phrase is uh it's at 100% capacity or whatever you said it's but it's only 75% capacity and it says everything's on the line 75% of it. <laughs> uh, I love how with this guy that every week is the biggest biggest match of the year. I yeah I don't want to go into a full on dis look I, I'm walking on eggshells because a lot of our listeners like him. Um. But, I mean, he, 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 come on. You can't come on the mic and, and, and you got to be, I mean, you're given an opportunity to actually, when you're in that spot, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but when you're in that spot, aren't you giving an opportunity to maybe, you can pre-plan what you want to say? I think so. Yeah. I, I, I would imagine. And that's what comes out. So I, it's just it's, it's it's what it is. So it's what it is. So who um, you got? Who you got? I, I you know I think uh, I think we're going with Fino at Fino Alafini two eighty two. That's pretty good. And I, I don't know how Napoli fans will take that, but uh, it was pretty funny. I thought it had two hundred. It just adds so. misery to their day. It does. It so. does. At least Joe's not here to see this. So yeah, he'll be tagged though. Isn't that funny? We get the Napoli guy on, and then and then we and then we decide to. <laughs> Pick the one that's on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, wouldn't, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be us if we didn't do it. 
That's so, true. That is true. That is true. So AJ uh, at Fino Alafine two eighty two. I think that's his first win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good follow. Some people hate him. Some people know, but you know, he he's, thinks he's, he's the most. Po- he he is he's certainly not. polarizing. He's a certainly polarizing man. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed the follow. So, I all right. It. So I will plug this in this week. You're going to be on Raff and Raff Rant tomorrow I am. night, right? I am. I am. I'm a game time decision. Game time decision. All right. Yep. Um, yeah. Looking forward to talk more on uh, Roma, Roma, Napoli, uh, Milan for sure, for sure. Yep. So, uh, so if if I'm not on, I mean, absolutely catch Richard on the Raf and Raf rant. Raf Arispo, Raf underscore Biz at Raf underscore Biz, and uh, they're great guys. They do a great job oh. covering all things Napoli, and uh, we appreciate them giving us some airspace to come on. Uh, and chat with them about the game. Uh, guys, if you're listening or if you're watching or, or whatever the case may be, I, I do hope to come on tomorrow night. I'm just trying to figure out how, you know, kind of things are going on the home front. If I can squeeze an hour of my time to be able to sit down and chat about the game with you. If not, you're in excellent hands with Richard. So um, uh, so that is that. And I think with anything else, Richard, I think uh, we can put a bow on this edition of City Out Sit Down. So I'll turn it to you. For the shameless plug, yeah, uh, I'm gonna we'll go ahead, first off. Uh, the Rafa Rant guys, uh, both Rafa Biz and Rafa Rispo, definitely give them a follow. Yeah. Give their podcast a follow. Uh, really great stuff. Put quality content. They really look really looks nice as well. Uh, definitely give Joe Fischetti a follow. His Force Napoli podcast as well. And then last shout out, I'm gonna give actually Jerry Mancini. Uh, had a, a very personal tweet the other day about uh, his struggles with depression at the moment, and you know that stigma it is with. Uh, depression and people don't want to talk about it. We really need to talk about it more. I yeah. think to, to to shed that stigma. And so, uh, bravo to Jerry for coming out and talking about it. And um, you know, I'm I'm glad that you know, hopefully he's doing well and uh, are, are we're with him. So keep it up. Um, I've always been a firm believer that when it comes to things like that, the best thing that you can do is just reach out and talk to somebody. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Get help. I mean, it's the best thing you can do for yourself. There's because there are some really, really scary alternatives and we don't want to see you take any of those. So, yeah. uh, so Jerry, uh, you know, hope you find what you're looking for. Hope, you know, you find some happiness with Jerry's been a big fan of what we do. Uh, we've had him on, um, he's been insightful, uh, you know, when we've had him on, I think interestingly enough about Jerry, I think he's at his most polite when he's on our podcast. Yeah. yeah. yeah he's on <laughs> so, his own good behavior then. Right, right. So, and we appreciate that. Um, but, you know, so hopefully, um, uh, you know, hopefully that. Um, do you want to answer Anthony's question? Yeah, Anthony, to know, somebody, somebody actually, this is the first time if you in want to hear six about us. years. This is the first time in six <laughs> years that I've ever heard anyone ask, hey, where can I learn more about Shelka? <laughs> yeah, if you want to hear about the misery that I follow on uh, in the, in the of, of German football, yeah, Shock America. Definitely give that a follow. Uh, you'll get to hear me cry every week uh, with their non-chance of promotion again this year. Who knows? They just fired their coach today. So, uh, yeah, it's not looking good. But, yeah, like you said, I, I watch a lot of Bundesliga. I don't watch as much Bundesliga this year because I'm struggling to find second division matches. But, yeah, follow me at Shock yeah. America. Yeah. I watched Bundesliga a lot last year, but I was also gambling on it a lot last year. I'm not gambling on it at all this year. So just other things. <laughs> yep, just other just other things. So Fair I'm enough. not even gambling that much. Although, thank you, uh, Riyad Mahrez, for that 90th minute yep. goal that got me a backdoor, made me a backdoor profit. 
So, um, so this podcast we talked about gangbangs and backdoor profits. All right. I didn't talk. Okay. I said I, I didn't say a damn thing about gangbangs. Where did I that come that. from? I said that earlier. Did I miss that? You did. You did. I was talking about uh, how uh, Tamori and Kalulu gangbang. <laughs> oh, okay. Slip it's of the tongue. it's Slip of the tongue. it's 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 Lent, and right now I'm like trying to like surrender myself to oh. Jesus and. <laughs> like, um, never mind. I'm gonna stop. I'll stop there. Trying to be more, trying to be more Christ-centered. So I think I just immediately block out stuff like that. So <laughs> you have the horns, I have the halo. Who thought that was going to happen? Yeah. Um, all Wonder right. Me. So I think we're talking enough. You can find me at FTC underscore twenty one. Uh, City House sit down. We have our own channel at Apple Podcasts, iCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there's podcasts. There's City House sit down. As I'm gently bringing this thing back on the rails. Um, at City House Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram for any comments, questions, thoughts. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. Um, and we will be back at you next Sunday night while you guys are all worried about brackets and college basketball teams. Take a break from that. Uh, detach yourself and, you know, center yourself on the, uh, on the Calcho and come and join us next Sunday night. Sound good, Richard? All right. He says yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, that'll do it for this week of City I Sit Down. Uh, what a week it was. Let's uh, let's pull for our City I teams this week in Europe and uh, have a chance to talk about it next week. For Richard, I'm Frank. As always, tell your paisans about us. Ciao.